Hello and welcome to the Busyness Podcast. My name is Emily Austin. I'm the founder and CEO of a London-based PR agency called Emerge. I'm passionate about launching and scaling small businesses and have been fortunate enough in my 13-year career to work with some of the most exciting, category-defining brands in the world. I started my business when I was 22 years old, fresh out of university. Since that time, the world has got louder. Our expectations have become greater and our lives have become busier. Fobbing friends off with the stock answer we've all become accustomed to, I'm so busy, is an attempt to compel, conflate and convince. But when did being too busy become a mark of status? Why is the goal to never have any free time? And just what the fuck is everyone doing? Are we setting unrealistic expectations for future entrepreneurs and business owners by encouraging them that a maniacal approach to diarising is the standard? This podcast aims to give you a realistic, detailed insight into the honest stories, the failures, the triumphs, the intricacies, the mistakes, the comebacks, the fuck-ups from those set to make their mark, the leaders, movers and shakers, trailblazers and game changers. We cover imposter syndrome, hiring and firing, call-out culture, anxiety, global growth, daily routines and knowing when to quit, choosing the best in the busyness to help you cut through the noise and optimise your success. On the podcast this week, I chat to Jess Shearing, founder of popular London studio Hardcore. We chatted about why Hardcore has become an inspiration for so many by leading with the heart, why fitness shouldn't be scary, how Jess wasted money, why not everyone is on the journey with you, how to make mindfulness more accessible, and why nature and being outdoors has been the biggest inspiration for Jess. Jess shared with me candidly how her exposure to creating great experiences from a young age led her to the fitness industry, why living in Germany, Australia and LA was critical to her business journey, and how to navigate the dialogue surrounding mental and physical health. Jess is so wonderfully connected to her passion and her desire to create a better way for so many people seeking more balance in their bodies. I hope you enjoy listening to her story. I'd love to start if you can tell me what Hardcore is and what your brand mission is. Hardcore means something different for everyone uh, who comes through the door. But I like to think that Hardcore is an inspiration for everyone in whatever moment of life you're in, whether that is um, you want to be stronger or you want to, um, you, you feel more inspired with the environment that we create to lead from the heart and being around like-minded people and, and realizing that fitness doesn't need to be the scary thing and that I can um, accomplish and create things in this environment that, that inspire me or just like an inspiration in a way that um, it just allows me to live life to the fullest and um, believe in myself. So I think you can take it from any angle. And I, I do want to ask you a little bit more about professionally what you were doing before Hardcore, but to go back even a little bit further, you um, were born in Germany, but you grew up in and around nature. 
can you tell me a little bit more about that part of your life and sort of how that has then impacted the way that you are and the things that you seek through your business journey? I, I love the outdoors. Funnily enough, living in London doesn't really give me much of that, um, but it has um, inspired me in all kinds of ways, pretty much starting with movement. So when I grew up, um, like I, I never considered being active or fit in a way that it would serve me in a way to be in better shape or fitting in a certain kind of clothing or feeling more accepted. It was just always coming from a pure joy of movement and how it would make me feel. My first professional career, if you like, I moved to Hamburg and I um, became a graphic designer. I was never really feeling entirely fulfilled to a point where I decided I needed to make a major change in my life. And that major change actually turned out to be a complete move to Australia. So I gave up on all my belongings that I had in Germany. And funnily enough, like looking back, I was like, wow, that was quite a bold move. But like in that moment, I was all I could think of. And um, in Australia, I found my nature again, right? So that's where I had the opportunity to be outdoors and um, and and figuring out what I actually want to do next with my life. My background before my um, graphic design career was also in hospitality. My dad runs a restaurant and a hotel. So I kind of grew up around, you know, creating experiences and making people feel great. My desire for wanting to work with people or making people feel happy, I realized that I kind of needed to re reassign my my purpose and what I really want to do. And long story short, I ended up in Los Angeles, triggered by LA and seeing how important well-being and health is for everyone. I made my first um, step into a gym and I was in LA, you know, coming from that background of fitness and nature. Um, I was like, okay, so let's see what, what the gym is all about. And I thought it was one of the most heart-wrenching experiences there was nothing feminine about it you go in there as a greenhorn so you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing so you just kind of do what you think is going to be right and nobody really cares whether you are there so nobody really inspires you or motivates you or says high five well done Jess basically this was then the idea of hardcore started to kind of have its first seat um how to create an environment that would allow you to be yourself with a workout that makes sense and designed in a space that feels inspiring, feels positive and then led by people and by teachers who know what they're talking about and have your best interest in mind. It's so interesting to hear you say that you thought you'd go and just try out what this whole, you know, Jim, Jim Malarkey was because now we are so... Our, our days are so punctuated with visibility around fitness studios, fitness classes. The barrier to entry in theory has never been lower in terms of access points, class pass, opportunities to sort of buy bundles. You don't need to have a membership. I mean, it is just relentless. You can do stuff at home. You can do body weight stuff. You can do things with tins of baked beans. You can go and do a 12-week plan. I mean, it is just, I mean, it's, I guess, a, a sort of, manifestation of what the diet culture was like before and, and and still is that choice can be quite paralyzing when you first experienced the gym was it functionally about people losing weight was the kind of wellness holistic 
you know, mind, body and soul piece that you weave into what you do at Heartcore? Was that in existence or was it like come in, thrash your body and leave? What what was happening in the in the landscape at that time when you first had that thought? I was in California. So this whole mind, body, soul connection obviously existed, but I don't think I was yet in that headspace finding a and a you know an accessible way of bringing heart mind and body and soul together into one space that I could just not find and you will go to the gym to lose weight and you would just basically there was that mindset okay calories in calories burned and this is how I'm going to make sure I'm going to get stronger and fitter so I think the mind-body-soul connection was something that very intuitively started to develop and happen on the back of creating hardcore. It was just, it sounds funny, but like it was actually like a calling inside of me. You know, you were talking about this whole diet um, fad and and the, the, the exercise fad, and we're always looking at everyone else. We're always comparing ourselves. Oh, if I do what this person does, I should end up looking like that person. Um, but we don't we don't appreciate that we are all unique, which is like such a blessing. And we're always trying to be like someone else. Or we think like, if that works for someone, it's going to work for me. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because I do think so much of the gym marketing and branding has been um, directed at vulnerable people, often whom feel like they have to make these very big, aggressive, quick changes. And actually to your point about functional movement in your life, it was to enable you to live better and live well and it's almost like we've got to unlearn this very aggressive connection between exercise and and weight when you were in the US you obviously had this experience and then I guess a combination of a kind of passion project a real true calling and a trend that was happening as well and a kind of gap in the market California obviously much more developed than we are in terms of health and fitness, particularly, um, probably at least 18 to 24 months ahead of us with whether it's fitness uh, experiences or green juice or uh, CBD or things that are more holistic. What happened for you after that? Because obviously, you know, with your with London studios, what was happening here at that time? You know, like the idea of like taking this hardcore package or like the idea because hardcore wasn't actually in existence when I was still in LA so it was all brewing right so I I had the concept I obviously um, became a um, recognized personal trainer and now was time when I moved to London to put it all into into reality you know so like this whole thinking things up and then actually creating a brick and mortar studio around it was was um, quite exciting but also like you know rather challenging you know you know I moved from from LA into London and I didn't know a soul here so that I was very very lonely in the beginning and our first studio happens to be like a little basement in off the sidetrack of a little street down a little alleyway so I was <laughs> was certainly not like screaming on the high street hardcore here we are so it was all like very you know, underground and just like under like discovering it and take that journey. But also like that was one part, but then also understanding where was London back in that time. And um, 
And that was going 15 years back. And that was the days of homes place being like the, the, the gym to go and try yoga was there. But like other than that, there was really no boutique experience. So here, the idea of um, like a dedicated fitness space with a dedicated group class, and that's all you do, was quite novel. Um, we were actually the pioneers in that space. So here I had to very much adapt to the way that people were open to moving. But what we did, we attracted a lot of expats from the US who were like, oh, finally, there's somebody who is not afraid of pushing me, someone who's going to take me to a new level. And um, and that really was the start and the beginning of building, building hardcore into what it is today. And can you tell me a bit more about the practical steps you took? Because I think sometimes in business podcasts particularly, we jump over the kind of initial stage. And for anyone listening who is has been creating content at home and streaming or uh, wants to set up their own studio or is currently running a studio and wants to expand, what were the actual practical steps? I mean, obviously registering the business, getting all your paperwork in order, but finding the site, knowing how long to sign onto it for the lease, et cetera. And, that, you know, what was the, what was that like at the beginning? I think that's always like the hardest step, right? So they're taking like, what do they call it? Like the kitchen table idea into reality and then kind of getting roadblocked along the way. Um, and I do fully appreciate that this can be tricky, the, the, the normal part that you got to have to figure out, but then also understanding, okay, where do I put my studio? If it is a studio, right? Where do I want to, um, where do I want to be? Where do I know my my people that want to move with me will be? Like, what is the setup? Like, what are the obstacles that you want to already um, iron out before you go down that route of signing a, a lease? You know, like uh, getting like a good deal is one thing, but if it's in a uh, in a neighborhood where nobody is actually open to your product, you will never end up with a full house. Then, for us, for example, it was like the the idea was we always wanted to be very close to your home so so that fitness wouldn't be like this thing oh you know like it's half an hour there or even worse like longer than that and then you it becomes a treat but movement and fitness shouldn't be a treat that should be one of your daily routines or whatever you choose it to be so we wanted to always be within like five to ten minutes walk from your home then the other thing for us on a practical step was okay how do i actually as a guest or as a as a client, however you want to call it, make sure that I can secure myself a space. So like, what about the website? What about the booking system for the very simple sign-up process to let you book and cancel whenever you need? Um, again, helping to, to reduce any barrier of entry. Is your client base now or your customer base quite balanced from a gender perspective? Or do you think that women tend to be more interested in what you're offering. I mean, I guess the the context of that question for me is that in my experience, having worked with lots of interesting gyms and health things, the lengthening, slowing down, toning process has, has been quite shunned by people who want quite aggressive results in exercise. And it was only when I came to Hardcore and I'd done SLT in uh, New York, which is savage. And I'd um, come to see you. Um, but it's, 
the the slowness and the movements and the the instructor being so aware of everyone in the room and wanting to make very very minor tweaks that make such a big impact and it's the the strength and the ability to um develop your full body and your attitude in that class is very very different I guess you're probably you know not necessarily trying to win over the person who's going to CrossFit and that's fine but do you think that there's a different attitude between men and women in terms of this type of exercise yes absolutely and I think we can all agree especially even from the look of hardcore like the 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 spaces look um less like a traditional workout environment and I think you you gotta have to have like quite an open mind to to come to a space like this and and be open to to a different approach of working out and um and I think Pilates still has like this very feminine touch to it, which is funny because like our approach to Pilates is so conditioning and actually taking the traditional sense out of it that it's just for dancers um, going through a rehabilitation program, you know. So I, we took the principles of Pilates that. that serve everyone and is important and benefit everyone whether you're male or female or anything in between um, because it's um, the principles of the human body remain the same so right now our ratio is still very much 80 20 I would say Um, but I hope um, especially on the back of the pandemic and creating more more accessibility even to our online classes where maybe if you feel as a as a guy a little bit not sure if this is going to be for me because I don't know if I move gracefully on this core former or, um, you know, or if I'm going to be the only only guy in the middle of an ocean of women. Like, you know, you got to have to be quite confident to to come to the door. And, and we never make a fuss about it. Like, obviously, like every heart is, is a heart and, and we welcome everyone. But I think that the online classes, you you you, you can basically take that barrier down and have somebody actually feel the benefits and go through it at their own pace. I think once you did it and once you see the results, because it's still a very tough workout, then usually everyone stays. They convert immediately. You mentioned earlier that you guys were kind of pioneers of this space. How do you deal with competition now? competition clearly gives us an understanding that there's more demand right so that's exciting because obviously there are more people who want to do the same thing um there's more opportunity for people in this industry to to get a foot into it and and into through the door so i actually feel quite inspired by competition because it keeps me on my toes am I doing the best thing here can I do anything better um am I showing up with my best foot forward and having competition around you allows you to never keep that out of sight it actually would be quite sad if there wouldn't be any competition because then it means there's not enough demand yeah it's also less of an achievement isn't it if you're sort of in the race alone it doesn't feel like well as long as you as, as long as you keep on top of your game, then absolutely right. Because you wanna like in that in that field of competition, you wanna especially as the pioneer, you wanna stay at the at the front and um and and making sure that the experience that we are creating are meaningful. Because at the end of the day, the the people who come through the door are the ones who are gonna decide who is 
who's the best in class. Starting a brand now or a business now, marketing is an incredibly important part of that process. There's so many social media channels, there's so many different ways to do it. And there are a lot of large fees that come with influencers and celebrities. And in many ways, that alignment can, in some ways, be disingenuous. You have many celebrity fans who you don't pay that come to the studios because they love what you do. How significant has that been for visibility or for marketing and for continuing to engage new customers by having the validity from some of these superstars? Well, I can definitely say that the support of celebrities, even though we, we hold this all with, with uh, absolute discretion, has um, supported us in, in building our reputation further. It inspires our guests to know that maybe some of their favorite celebrities are choosing hardcore as their number one workout place. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So I think it's it's fun if it gives you a little bit more excitement. We are, we are obviously proud when we are being chosen and, and you know, makes me happy then that people like to move with us. But at the end of the day, every human being for us at hardcore is a VIP because you walking away and feeling empowered and strong and happy and just lifted in your spirits, lifted in your body, lifted in your soul. And you just feel like full of joy for life. And you're, you're oozing this and you're sharing this with the people. And then you bring your friend and, and it's, it's a genuine, authentic growing of the community is just as important for us than having a celebrity walking through the door. How you grow a business is one heart at a time, one experience at a time, and never and never shortcutting that. What are some of the most valuable investments that you've made in the business and where have you wasted money? Oh man, um, plenty of, plenty of uh, <laughs> ups and downs um, for sure. But I would say the biggest investment and the biggest assets are the people, but also um, the biggest... Um, losses have been by maybe not getting the right people on board. So the the team that I have today is the most incredible team that I could have ever asked for. And it took me 15 years to get to this team that I have today. And, you know, in the beginning, I was the the graphic designer. I was the head trainer. I um, was the operations manager. Um, I was the cleaner when the cleaner wouldn't show up. I, you know, I did it all. Like I was the, the flyer girl. Like, so you, you're holding all the different hats in the business because you can't afford it. Right. Because we, we didn't start out for it to become like this big business. So we started very humble and very small. So, and as you then build and grow, then you start to realize you need experts for the different um, departments in the business. And that's when you then bring in talent. It is a founder led business. So obviously, um, that requires a different kind of working environment than if you work for a corporate organization. So I would say definitely people, biggest biggest assets, but also at the same time have been in the past the biggest hurdles to overcome. Yeah, and I think it's difficult when you start because certainly in my experience, you you slightly feel like you're always one good hire away from 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 making it work. And actually the business evolves and your needs evolve. And sometimes the people who are there 
early on who help you with one studio can't deal with seven or 10 or 100. And you do kind of have to move with the needs of the business. And that can be very painful. And I've certainly made all manner of wrong decisions in that capacity, both for me and for for other people. And it can really delay your business it can really hurt your confidence you worry that you suddenly don't have the best judgment because you thought that was going to be the right fit and then it wasn't and that can be quite difficult you you know recruitment fees often are a factor as well and it can all be quite difficult and I I do think and I'm interested to hear what you think but I wonder if you agree that there's a lot of pressure when you start a business to know everything all at once and to get the right people in and do everything correct and actually to your point you know it's 15 years and there is a journey and there is a process and you probably do have to make some of those wrong hires to know more what the right things are but but do you think there's a lot of pressure for people starting now that they sort of need to know everything on day one yeah I think like the the one of the biggest things that I take away from when I started the business, I was always afraid asking for help, exactly for that reason that you just said, because I thought, oh, now I'm starting my own business. I'm supposed to know it all because why else would you start a business, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, then like you shouldn't be in this place in the first place. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned and actually it took me a long time to be much more open about what I need and, and approaching people and say, look, can you can I pick your brain here? I just need some advice or I just want to um, listen to what you think or can we just sanity check this idea? And once I started doing this, um, I got exposed and introduced to so many incredible people who whose opinion I, I quite value or they could help me with something when I got stuck. So um, very much um with you on that and we hear a lot about mentors and I think you know I've I'm fortunate I do have mentors and I don't have all the same mentors I had nine years ago I think it's also okay to grow out of a mentor which is something that I think is probably quite a strange thing when you feel like you've shared part of your journey with someone but a lot of the questions that come up for people starting businesses are around contacts and contemporaries who are experiencing similar things. When I started, none of my friends ran businesses. So I was quite restricted. But actually, to your point, openness about sharing information, asking questions, being uh, open and honest about some of those challenges is really a massive first step there because it suddenly creates, you, you suddenly are open to the energy of other people who want to share and learn and are doing similar things. And I do think that that's a really, really important structure of an ecosystem to have around you when you're growing a business. Absolutely. And I think today there's so much more available on that level than it used to be 15 years ago. But at the same time, you also got to have to be careful not to get carried away by too many opinions around you, right? Because then, because everybody, that's the whole idea of an opinion. So if you have too many opinions floating around the room that you actually don't know anymore why you set out what you want to set out and, and what's important to you, um, then then it can also equally become confusing. So be mindful around, okay, where do I really need support versus almost becoming unstable in my decision-making process? Because at the end of the day, you're still the business owner. You're still here to drive something forward that you believe in and that, and that you want to bring to the world in whatever capacity that is. Mm. 
You're a female founder. You work in a quite male-dominated industry, the fitness industry broadly. Have you ever felt at a disadvantage being a woman in this space? Ooh, no. (laughs) Um, I am one of the very few in this environment that is um, still founder-led, free of investment. So I have to... I am only reporting to myself, lucky me. But I'm also um, obviously in a very male-dominant environment. But I'm also like German, so English is my second language. And while I've been living now in in England and in the US for 20 years, but you know, things will never be as smooth as they are if it's your first language. So I'd say it's been definitely tricky at stages when it comes to negotiations or when you're with a little bit more of a old school environment, whether that is around, you know, landlords or banks and you have to negotiate deals and you might not be, you know, like that obvious business person um, that, that you're sometimes maybe a little bit underappreciated. Um, but I think because I don't know any other way. I can't really tell you if I'm working extra hard to 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 gain the respect that I need, but I don't think it ever gave me a disadvantage or made me not be able to do something that I seeked out to do. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Absolutely. I think actually I wanted to ask you about um, how important your understanding of mental health was to the programming at Hardcore. And I imagine that... Being a woman and having a business that has a sort of 80% consumer base that's women, presumably your understanding of that that broader balance and, and sort of brain health as well as body health has been quite integral to you coming up with what is now on the programme. Yeah, I think um, well, when you think about it, and I'm so pleased that there's more and more awareness coming around mental health and more people coming forward actually admitting that they struggle with their mental health and that it's not a weakness and that you're not like this odd person out there because we can all agree that mental health is a is a huge thing in in today's environment and um and the more support we can give one another and the more support is offered um the healthier and the stronger we can all grow again as a society and the way that we incorporate it at hardcore i'd like to think we do is creating a very judge judgmental free zone like a very um opening welcoming environment where um you know whatever culture whatever age whatever gender you come from you're you're invited you're welcomed in and the language that we use at hardcore as well is very positive um and um very reinforcing and motivating but also at the same time not um not pressuring you you know like when you you know a lot in the fitness environments you're like yeah you can do this come on do a couple more and and you're like but like I can't you know like there are different ways to achieve results without making you feel like you're not good enough so but like the the blanket experience that we want to create is a an environment where you can be truly yourself and and don't have to perform so you just are yourself and then the movements funny enough because of that stretching element in the move so it's it's the marriage of stretch versus strength and so the stretching and the release that we create it actually has a direct link through 
to how you feel. So let's say, for example, you know, the hips, the hips are the second most common place in your body where we hold on to trauma and, and emotions and a lot of like the sad emotions, the grief, the, the stress. Um, and a lot of the movements, thanks to the core former that we have, um, allows us to release a lot of this. So even though you might not be aware of what's happening in your body, but you walk away feeling like lifted. So yes, it's a huge part. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting point because we've been so bombarded in media about the idea of high intensity training. And with all the information we now have about the benefits of low impact training and the benefits of um, releasing energy from our body and where trauma is stored and how physical trauma can manifest as a result of mental strains or brain strains, you know, if you are um, overtraining or if you are very highly stressed and have high cortisol or you've experienced some sort of trauma that has clearly stored in your body, the worst thing you can go and do is thrash yourself. But it's also, I think, that legacy of a punitive relationship where we must punish ourselves in exercise because it's so linked to shedding weight. Whereas actually, I think it is such a refreshing perspective. And it's still not, you know, to your point earlier about like it's visibility, it's about the more people we can talk to about it because it's so important. But the times that I, I lost 30 kilos of weight. So I went through my own fitness journey and I did use, I did, I, you know, my um, understanding of the fitness industry was perhaps a little bit more evolved than most because I'd worked alongside other boutique gyms and other businesses. So I'd interacted certainly enough with language, the language around it and the training patterns. But for me, um, I did, I didn't do a huge amount of cardio. I did a lot of um, weights, but not, not super, super heavy weights. And I did reformer, mega reformer, sort of the SLT type, the strength and length and tone type elongation, because, you know, the goal was to be longer and leaner. It wasn't to be stressed and have huge traps and be muscly. And, and obviously it takes a lot to build muscle. It doesn't just happen overnight. But I think that it's, so important that people know and understand that all of these things are commitments to your lifestyle and have such a tremendous impact on your brain and your ability to navigate what was probably a stressful lifestyle especially if you live in London it's like an assault on your senses every day with the noise and pollution and the tube and everything else do do you think that there's misleading information particularly for women about their fitness journey and so, and sort of their expectation of what they should put themselves through to achieve the goals that they're told they're supposed to have. Yeah, I think there's definitely still um, still an element of the the harder you go, the the, the quicker the results. Um, purely from a physical element, which is um, like obviously not the way it rolls, just because of what you just shared with me. And I actually used to work out back in the days. I used to do these incredibly grueling workouts. I was like, but why am I not losing weight? You know, like I still had like quite a lot of abdominal fat around my 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 tummy. I was like, but I'm the I'm running fast and I'm doing all these squats and push-ups and crunches, but nothing would shift. But like my anxiety levels were through the roof. 
And then one day I just stopped. I don't actually remember why I stopped. Something happened, something changed. And all of a sudden the weight would just melt off me. And I was like, hang on a second. So what just happened? So I stopped these four times a week ruling workouts because I was told I'm going to look like X, Y, and Z. I was all outside in the park. Um, but then all of a sudden I stop it and all of a sudden I feel way, way better. So I think there's still a lot of perception. Harder is better, but that's just not the way it works. Like, um, if anything, to your point, um, you know, like the, the, the continuous exposure of, stress that we are that we have and look even at the last 18 months like we don't even appreciate enough what kind of stress we've been through and we're not even through it yet because we're still having a lot of aftermath to deal with certainly i from a business level you know like it hasn't been it's it's been a total disaster but like you know everybody has to deal with that in a different way and understanding okay how do i offset my anxiety levels how do i offset my external distraction of what I think I'm supposed to be looking like and how do I fit into society if I meet all these certain um, goals and and the idea of this instant gratification because, you know, you do something, you want to see results. But this is not how it works. And if you start to actually say, you know what, I'm in for the long run here and I trust and believe the people who tell me that if you stick to this, I can guarantee you that you will see results before you know it and um, and go into it with a much more understanding, appreciation, how it feels in the moment that you do it and how it makes you feel throughout the rest of the day, how it empowers you, how it aligns you, how it gives you more awareness of your of your motion how it how movement feels more freely you are less achy and and still you see all the shifts and changes in your body but that that requires believing into the fitness professional that tells you to trust me i got you here i i want you to feel the best and look the best but the looking the best will come after you feel the best yeah i mean you definitely look how you feel don't you no it's great advice What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given about building a business and who gave it to you? I don't think I ever have, I don't think I can pinpoint this on like, oh, there was this epiphany of um, a moment where um, that kind of accelerated me forward or gave me all the the, the need or the, the, the support that I needed. But I would say definitely, if you're trying to, get everything perfect and all your ducks in a row until you start doing something, you will never end up doing it. So don't aim for perfection. And I think with regard to advice, I think just, you know, listening to the people that inspire you, whether that is business related or something completely not business related, but like, who do you want to be in the world? You know, like other than a business person, but like, how do you want to how do you want to show up every day? Like what, what, what makes you be proud of being the person that you are? And hopefully that carries you through and making the right decisions to, to follow your dream. No, it's great advice. Do you ever take time to enjoy achievements in the business or is it just a relentless pursuit? <laughs> so what am I supposed to say here is probably, but you know what, like there's oh because every achievement, because again, talking about being perfect, um, 
like every achievement is probably never ends up being the achievement that you had initially hoped it would look like by the time that you created it. So because everything is a compromise at the end, right? So um, I think it's very rarely that you have a moment like, yeah, that is one-on-one how I wanted it to be and that's how it turned out. So um, so that's that's a tricky one. But I would say definitely I'm better at it than I used to be. I think there's always the next thing that you're thriving forward to. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting question because your quest for more and better is what drives you as an entrepreneur. So the idea of ever being truly satisfied is really at odds with the idea of continuing to drive something bigger, better, harder, faster. It's sort of the opposite of, of the personality type. But I do think everyone always says they wish they did sort of stop to appreciate you know you open a new club and it's great but then you've got to fill it and then you fill it and then you start looking for another site and it's like (laughs) you know it's very difficult very fleeting um what have you found to be the biggest myth about running a business and has it stacked up so I always when I grew up thought like as a business owner you are you have this copious amounts of money and you're like every business owner out there is rich you know, like whatever rich looks like. But I always thought like, if you if you run your own business, you can basically do whatever you you want to. Um, and and only as a, like, you know, as I obviously not just recently, but uh, over the years realizing that um, as a business owner, when you're in the middle of it all, when you're in the midst of it all, um, you know, you have a lot more struggles on a daily basis than, especially as you're growing a business, then, you appear to the outside world. So, um, yeah, I think that that was one of the the biggest revelations for me that I thought every business owner out there is just like having it all. How do you make sure that you keep learning? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read books? Do you meet new people? What is your process for continuing to learn? Definitely people. Uh, I I like to hear people's stories. I like to hear how people are managing through difficult parts um, in their own growth and journey. Um, I am pretty reflective myself, so I also um, always review my own actions and understand better how I can become better. There are a few podcasts that I listen to, not necessarily business-related, but um, personal growth-related that um, inspire me to become a better person and learn to be a better leader. And and then I also like to travel. I think uh, getting out of London on a regular basis and getting new perspective and a little bit of distance from um, from, from a day to day environment is really important to see the bigger picture, stay inspired, and uh, and see new opportunities. Productivity can be challenging in an environment where we are all expected to be busy all the time. We're supposed to have businesses and children and be perfect looking and make good choices and travel and etc if you could have one extra hour in the day what would you use it for being in nature oh that is just a lovely lovely answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah whether that would be on the back of a horse or walking on the beach or going on a hike in the mountains yes I think that would be it tell me what's next what's next for hardcore and, and what's next for you well, what's exciting, obviously, on the back of um, the pandemic, which obviously shook us up in in all the ways, 
the the silver lining on the back of it that we started a new um, business that I never thought I would get my hands into, which is obviously bringing hardcore um, online to the world. And from having zero zero knowledge around how to actually do this to streaming classes from all these different um, homes from like to everyone's home like you know the teachers like setting up from their little places wherever they were and we are just kind of trying to make it look like decent making sure we have the good wi-fi connection and just creating like a, a like a like an interim temporary availability to to keep hardcore alive and ticking and keep the community alive it then became actually something where we realized we have a a tremendous opportunity to grow hardcore in the online um space and so we are creating this phenomenal global community so that definitely for us is is a big focus to build that to to stay relevant to keep it engaging fresh and and growing um our online community and then probably also picking it back up to where we were prior to the pandemic when we were looking at um bringing hardcore to different um bigger cities in europe in the u.s yeah, I, no doubt we'll see it. It's, it sounds very, very exciting. And I, I wish you all the best of luck with it. I'm so grateful for you to take the time to speak to me today. It's such a brilliant concept. I've um, come to many of the studios. Your St. John's Wood one is the closest to me. And it's such an important class structure and environment. And it's so powerfully welcoming and honest and caring and thoughtful and I think it's a really wonderful experience that many more people should have and I know everyone who does is a huge fan um so thank you for taking the time out of your day I'm sure it's um your phone's probably been going off in the background there's probably some disaster somewhere as there always is with running a business but I'm really grateful and I think there's going to be lots of really interesting lessons in there for people at all different stages of their journey so thank you very much thank you for having me